As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello, friends. I'm Rick Warren, and welcome to Spurgeon Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way, and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped, and guided by Charles Spurgeon, who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. A Far-Reaching Promise, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, April the 15th, 1883, part two. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter two, verse 39. If you say, I feel myself to be powerless, incapable, like one that is dead, Do not let that stand in your way, for God gives the Holy Spirit on purpose to meet just such a need as yours. Everything that needs to be done, which you cannot do, the Spirit of God will help you to do. And that which you can do in a measure, but which you do very badly and inefficiently, the Spirit of God is given to help you to do, for he helps our infirmity. There is no strength wanted in you, sinner. He will be your strength. There is no good operation needed on your part. The Holy Spirit has come to work all your works in you. He works in us to will and to do according to his own good pleasure. And then we, in consequence, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If you will but believe in Christ, you do not need to come to him with a new heart. Here is the Spirit of God to give you that new heart. You do not need to strive to make yourself tender and humble in spirit. Here is the Spirit of God to make you tender and humble. There is nothing that you need to endeavour to produce in yourself. For this divine being who hovered over chaos and brought order out of primeval confusion is ready to come and hover over you, over your disordered, chaotic soul. He can spread his dove-like wings over it till you come to light and love and life and liberty and joy. Oh, is not this a mercy that inasmuch as we are so weak and helpless, the promise of God is that he will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. 
But this is not all that a man or woman wants in order that they may be saved. They need, secondly, the remission of their sins. And there is a promise that God will give to the penitent the remission of their sins. Hence, Peter said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, guilty one, there is remission of sin even for you. You who have been drowning in sin till you are stained with it, till your sin is ingrained into your very nature, there is power with God to make that crimson white as snow. For all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Whenever I repeat those gracious words of our Lord, I feel as if I'd said something far more sweet than the choicest poetry, something infinitely more deserving to be written in letters of gold than all the sayings of the wisest philosophers of old. Tell the guilty man or woman that God has mercy reserved for them and is prepared to forgive them. What better news can they ever hear? Tell him that it is not true, as some say, that everything we have ever done must necessarily remain with us to injure and to hurt us in this life and in the next, as long as we have any being. It is not so. There is a remedy provided by God for the disease of sin. God can remove the very scars which that disease has left behind when it is healed. Sin can be perfectly forgiven and forever put away. Remember the Lord's declaration, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Now when a cloud is gone, the sky is none the darker. It is just as blue as it was ere that cloud was formed. Another emblem of God's grace is that when he has washed us, we will be whiter than snow. Snow, when it first falls, bears no trace of ever having been stained. It is so perfectly white. And God can wash you, poor sinner, even if you are the guiltiest of the guilty, till not a speck of sin remains. Ye are clean every whit, said Christ to his disciples. Oh, what a word was that! And it is true of all who trust Jesus. Being cleansed in your blood, no trace of sin remains. Now put those two things together. The Holy Spirit working in us a change of heart and Jesus Christ working for us and preparing pardon for sin. And in those two things you have the supply of humanity's great need, which, put in a word, is salvation. In verse 21, you can see the promise about that matter. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They will be saved. That is, perfectly and completely saved, both from the guilt of sin and from the power of sin. They will not be half saved or saved in one particular form of salvation, but they will be saved. Whoever then, repenting, trusts in Christ and confesses their faith according to Christ's own rule, shall be saved. 
He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. This is the glorious promise which in its wide sweep comprises all that a sinner needs, the Holy Spirit, the remission of sin and salvation. Now let us inquire, to whom is this promise made? According to my text, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is for all to whom the message comes, and in its innermost and special sense, it is for all whom God shall effectually call by his Spirit, whether they be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free. That is the very glory of the text, and upon that I want to reflect while I pass on to the next point. That next point is this. Inasmuch as everything that a sinner needs for his salvation is made a matter of promise, and that promise is made to all that hear the gospel, this is a cause for very great encouragement. I hope that I'm addressing some who are pierced in the heart and who therefore want to find Christ. Well, see what a promise you have to come upon and many have come to the Lord with far less encouragement. When Jonah went to Nineveh to utter his mournful and monotonous message, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, the king believed it and his people believed it and they humbled themselves before God. Yet what had they to go upon? Only this. Who can tell, they said. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? So they came to God with no other encouragement but who can tell? Take heed, you who hear the gospel that the men of Nineveh do not rise up in judgment against you to condemn you. Take another case. There was the prodigal who came back to his father. Had he any promise from his father that he would receive him? No, nothing of the sort. It was only the prodigal's belief in his father's goodness that brought him back. And his father did receive him. Take another case, that of the importunate widow who went to the judge crying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Had she a promise that the judge would relieve her? Not at all. He was one who feared not God nor regarded man. Yet she kept on pleading with him. And though he even said her nay perhaps scores of times, yet she pressed on with her suit till at last her importunity won the case. Now see what vantage ground you stand upon compared with these people. You do not go to God with the question, who can tell? You do not come to God merely with an inference drawn from the kindness of his nature. You do not come to God merely persuaded that he will hear an importunate prayer. But if you come to him, you come with a promise, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And this is the promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, 
I think you ought to come to God with joy in your face. For with such a sweet promise as this, you must, you shall prevail. The second encouragement is that God is always true. It would be a dreadful supposition to imagine that God could lie. In fact, that would be sheer blasphemy. If a man be a righteous man and he makes a promise, he will keep it if he can. A good man sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Much more is the good God faithful to every promise he has ever made. Then if God has promised that whosoever believes in his Son shall be saved, you may be sure that he will be. And whoever you may be, if you believe in Christ, you must be saved. Lord, I know that thou canst not lie. You may plead in that fashion with him. Take his promise in your hand and say to him, Do as thou hast said. Thou hast promised to forgive all who on thy son believe. Plead that promise and you will find it certainly fulfilled. For God has never yet drawn back from a promise which he had made and he never will do so. Oh, how that ought to encourage you in prayer. But, says one, may I grasp that promise? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Of course you may. And if the devil says that you must not claim that promise, tell him that Peter said, The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And as you are one of those that are a long way off Jerusalem, and certainly the British islands must have been esteemed very far off in Peter's day, then you are one of those to whom that promise has come. Plead it and you shall find that it will be fulfilled to you. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.